0: Okay, before we jump into our new sermon series on the Gospel of Mark, uh, I want to talk to our young ones to tell you what, this is going, what to expect this morning. Okay, here's a trailer. Here's a preview. Ready? Uh, I want to start with a question. Just throw anything out. Uh, I know I've asked you all this before, but come on, I want, hear, I want to hear what you all have to say. What does it mean to repent? Anybody? Repent. What does that word mean? hear something? Yes, Francis. Forgiveness. Good. Anybody want to jump in? Add to that. Repent. That gets us there. Any other thought? Repent is this thing about forgiveness. Forgiving us what? Forgiving us for our sins. Okay, who forgives us for our sins? Say it again. God. Uh, It's God. So this is what repentance is. Y'all, I know y'all have heard me. I I want y'all to hear this so much that by the time you leave here, uh, go off to wherever you're going next as you grow up. Stop growing up. But as you grow up and you're going to go away, I want you to know what repentance is. Because a lot of times the church talks about repentance in a way that's that's not super, super helpful. But it means this. It means to turn. It means to turn from this stuff over here that is taking you away from God and turn to God, to turn to Jesus Uh, That's repentance. Um, You guys, okay, those of y'all that have a laptop, or you know about a laptop, or an iPad, or like a computer, okay? Uh, imagine that you're working on your device, and you notice the battery bar, and it's going down, 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 down. And you're like, oh man, uh, but I'm plugged in, so okay, it's gonna start charging. Uh, and then you, you keep doing your work, or you keep playing your video games, and you look down, and oh my gosh, now it's red. It's, I'm just losing more and more power, what's going on? And you look down, and you see that you have plugged your device, not into the power outlet, you've plugged it into a dirty old sponge on the floor. Gross. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Plug it in. Thank you, John William. You're going to take your power cord out of the nasty, dirty old sponge, and you're going to put it into the wall. You're going to put it into the outlet because that dirty old sponge, there is no power for your laptop in that thing. None, right? Okay, so that is like repentance. Repentance Repentance is not about turning from bad stuff to, oh, I'm going to do all this good stuff now. It's not about being, oh, it was really bad. Now I'm going to be really good. Repentance is not like, it is, if you hear this, quit being bad, kids, and start being good. That is not Christianity. That would be like, oh, I'm going to unplug from this dirty old sponge and I'm going to plug into some cat litter which, like, cat is helpful, like, it's good, like, it does, you know, if y'all don't know what cat litter is, ask your parents, like, it's good, like, it helps, but it's not going to give your laptop power, and that, like, same thing with, like, I'm going to turn from doing bad stuff to doing good stuff, doing good stuff is not going to give your life power. What will give your life power? What's his name? Jesus! Jesus is the thing of like, you turn from all this other stuff and you turn to Jesus, and Jesus is the power for your life. All you need, kids, all you need for repentance, this is what we're going to talk about today. All you need is your need. You just need Jesus to repent. That's what repentance is. Christianity is not about what you do, it is about what Jesus has done for you in his life, in his death, and that gospel good news about Jesus. Jesus is what gives you power for life forever. That's what we're going to talk about today. As we jump into the gospel of Mark, uh, Mark Mark is the author of the gospel of Mark. This is what we know about this guy, Mark. Uh, we know about him from the uh, book of Acts. We know about him from things like First Peter. Mark was a companion. He was a buddy of Paul's, uh, and he was with Paul on his first missionary journey. Uh, Paul ended up, um, uh, I mean, he, he ended up going to Rome, too, and Peter was there, and, uh, and, and so he, he spent time with Paul. He spent time with Peter, and, uh, and Mark was not an apostle. We've got to remember that, which kind of raises some questions. Okay, so then how does Mark know all this stuff about Jesus? Well, he got it. He got it from Paul. He probably got most of it from Peter, which means this is an apostolic gospel account uh, he may not, he may not have been there, but, uh, the guy he was talking to Peter was, so he gets his firsthand account from Peter. Okay. So, but, but this is Mark's storytelling of the gospel in our reading selections this morning, they highlight Mark's storytelling technique. Okay. So we're not reading all of chapter one. Chapter 1 is super, super important to the Gospel of Mark, so I tried to give us a a, a selection that would drive home that point, Mark's point. Please stand for the reading of these selections from Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he preached, saying, after me comes... He who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased." Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you, uh, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. What is a gospel? That word gospel... Uh, very simply means uh, good news. But Mark did not coin that term, gospel. That term, gospel, actually was already in use by by the Romans. Uh, in the Greek world, the, the word gospel <clears throat> was used by the Romans. It was used for Caesar Augustus. They had a gospel about Caesar. Uh, Caesar, who's credited with bringing about the, the peace of Rome, the Pax Romana. Uh, there's this ancient stone inscription... Uh, dating back to 9 BC, 9th century BC, and it's called the Prian calendar inscription. It's recovered at this old ancient Greek city, Prian. They call it the Prian calendar inscription because the birthday of Caesar Augustus marks the beginning of his kingdom era. This calendar inscription is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar announcing his kingdom that brings peace and salvation for his people. Listen to this. It says this. Through his appearance, Caesar has exceeded the hopes of all former good news. For the world, the birthday of the god Caesar was the beginning of the good news. The Romans used the word gospel to herald the good news of the arrival of a kingdom. uh, The reign of a king that brought... An end to war, so that all people who surrendered and pledged allegiance to this king would be granted salvation from destruction. How familiar does that sound? That kind of gospel talk would have sounded really familiar to the Jews. This idea uh, of gospel, good news, it doesn't start with Rome. Uh, it goes much farther. It doesn't start with Greece. It goes much farther back than than ancient Romans and Greeks. The Jews of the first century, ancient Near East. They're hearing, you know, they hear that kind of stuff. They would have been familiar with the word gospel from the Old Testament. This is how we uh, began our worship service today from Isaiah 52. The prophet Isaiah says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Pause. I want you to ask yourself, What is a Christian? Oh, because I've watched people ask each other this question, and most of the time, the answer that comes back is always what do Christians do? Uh, A Christian reads their Bible, they pray, they go to church, sometimes they go on mission trips. Uh, that's all, you know, and on and on and on. That's good stuff. Like, and that's a a positive spin because you could ask some other people, what's a Christian? They would give you a really negative answer. Uh, but that, that stuff's like, that's a positive spin on, uh, you know, answering, trying to answer that question. What is a Christian? But it doesn't actually answer the question. What is a Christian? What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who believes the gospel about Jesus which raises the question, what is the gospel of Jesus? And that is what Mark is going to answer for us. Mark's entire book is called The Gospel of Jesus Christ. And he tells us what to expect. He tells us what is to come in this first chapter. Because this is what Mark 1 is. Mark 1 is an initiation into the story of Jesus. The, the first thing Mark 1 initiates us into is this storytelling technique. This is, this is an organ, organizational strategy that Mark uses throughout, throughout the gospel. I mean, the, the technique, it, it's like a collage. It's like a mosaic that Mark's, that Mark's doing here. The, the episodes in this first chapter, I mean, if you were to read, if you go and you read the first chapter of Mark, they are, it goes bam, 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 and he's saying immediately, 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 that's all super intentional. He is being intentionally brief. They're meant to be treated, all these little stories, especially right at the beginning, are meant to be treated as building blocks of an initiation story. So, and in addition to this technique, he introduces us to the main character of the story. Like this story is about this main character and the questions you're supposed to ask of this initiation story is, okay, what do we learn about Jesus in our first glimpse of him? Who is he? What has he done? This is a very, very specific storytelling technique. It's called initiation story. <clears throat> when Ryan and uh, my wife and I first got married, I traveled, I started to travel with her family to Canada. Uh, it's a tradition that Ryan's grandfather started to which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It's called Lake of the Woods, and it's one of the world's largest inland freshwater lakes. Something like Just thousands and thousands, like over ten thousand, like almost fifteen, like fourteen thousand islands. uh, Sixty-five thousand miles of of shoreline. It's it's unbelievable. It's so. It's the most beautiful thing I've seen. Uh, But just as memorable, uh, just as beautiful, just as serene, uh, just as awesome as the fishing is. Uh, Lake of uh, this this thing is also where I. uh, just as memorable as all that is um, this guy, Roger Harrison, that I met up in, uh, in Canada. Uh, so I already see some of our uh, RUF students smiling because they've heard about me talk about this guy. My, uh, my first initiation to Roger Harrison was this very capable old man who, who took care of the property, took care of the island, uh, and when you get up there, you know, he, he prepped the boat. He drove you around in the boat. Uh, he knew 10,000 lakes like the, like the back of his hand uh, he knew all the fishing holes uh, he he could single-handedly take care of ten feet people fishing at once he could find that you know that perfect uh, fishing hole get all these fish and then he'd find the perfect shore to, to jump out and go have lunch and then he, he would be there he would make the fire he would get all the he would get all the fish and, and he would clean them all he did it all in a matter of minutes, and then he's preparing this shore lunch, what they call this shore lunch, with just this fresh fish that's just been caught. This is the most delicious fish you've ever had. Uh, just as You're sitting there sipping on a beer, looking at God's majesty, and there's Roger doing all this. Okay, so that was my initiation into Roger. And then in the evenings, we actually got to sit down with Roger Harrison and hear story after story after story about Roger, uh, from the family who grew up with him and knew him, from his wife Thererice, and sometimes from Roger himself. And this wasn't bragging. It's just this stuff is real. This stuff really happened. Uh, and, and okay, so like one, he used to take some some of the people uh, to fish in this bass lake that was in the middle of an island. And so the only way to get a boat into that lake in the middle of an island was you had to drag it, you had to carry it. So uh, he would get the crew to the island and Roger being a mountain of a man would throw the canoe over one shoulder uh, and then grab a boat motor in a five gallon tank of gas with his right and then charge up this steep hill and take it all the way to... the uh, the inland lake. Not a problem for Roger. Uh, I've told you, uh, some of you all have heard this story before, even here. Uh, Another time, one winter, he's driving along, and when you drive along in the winter across the lake, you're driving along ice on a snowmobile uh, or a truck. He's in his truck, and his truck goes through the ice and he goes under, goes down to the bottom, the truck fills up with water, he gets out, and he is looking for the hole, it's at night, he can't find the hole, he finally finds the hole, drags himself out, his buddy who is following on a snowmobile is there, they get him out, get him on the snowmobile, and start racing for land to get him warm, and they realize he's going to freeze to death, they have to stop where they are, make a fire, and get Roger warm, and they do, and he survives. He survives. Uh, another time, uh, uh, he, he had an encounter with a dog. This dog belong, belonged to a gang of bikers, and this dog attacks Roger, uh, and it's getting the better of him until Roger shoves his fist and his arm down the dog's throat, and then the fight's over. The dog's okay. The fight's over, uh, and he says, uh, yeah, "The dog didn't like it because it paralyzed it, eh? And That's how he talked. Uh, Another time, uh, he's traveling. He used to work uh, way in the winters. He would work in in the oil fields in the north of Canada, uh, below freezing temperatures. Well, on the way home from work one day, he's traveling on his snowmobile, uh, sees a pack of wolves, but he sees one way off in the distance by itself. He tracks it down. You know, he has an idea of what's going on. He catches up to it, uh, and uh, the wolf has mange, and it's been wounded, and so it's been rejected by the pack, and now it's just suffering, and so he decides he's got to put this thing down. So he goes to confront it, and this thing knows what's going on and starts, you know, going after Roger like in attack mode. Roger looks nearby and sees this tree of balsam wood, takes a branch of balsam wood, which is this soft wood, and he starts, you know, jabbing at the wolf, and the wolf grabs onto the grabs onto the balsam wood. He pulls the wolf in as he sinks his teeth in and his teeth get stuck. He pulls the wolf in and then drives a hatchet into its skull. Uh, I know that is just unbelievable wh- horror. Uh, but this is, we're talking about Northern Canada and this is Roger Harrison. And you're just listening to these stories. You're like, who are, who are you? And, and I remember thinking, and why are you taking the time to talk with me? Because I'm nobody. And, and, you know, and he's not perfect. Uh, he used expletives for adjectives in every sentence. Uh, he would tell you he was far from perfect. And everyone anyone got the idea of he was like, oh, my gosh, Dereese's wife would remind us of how un- imperfect he was. Um, but I, do, I remember thinking, like, Dude, are you Jesus? Um, no. But those stories, those, you know, getting initiated into who is Roger Harrison, I mean, that is what Mark is doing here for Jesus. He's introducing Jesus like that. Amazing story after amazing story after amazing story, and you're sitting there and your jaw is dropped to the floor like, what? Who is this guy? And then the sum of it all, I mean, you you see this. It goes from... Uh, this amazing baptism, uh, where uh, the heavens open and it's declared who this guy is—he's the Son of God. Uh, out to doing battle with the devil out in the wilderness. Uh, to uh, uh, then he's calling—he's preaching uh, this message. He's—he's he's calling disciples to himself. He's disrupting the social order with all this stuff on the Sabbath, like you're supposed to. Go, oh, he's doing this stuff on the Sabbath. That's probably gonna make some people mad. Uh, and he's doing miracles. He's casting out demons. What can this guy not do? But in the middle of all of it, you do get the summary of what Mark wants you to see, where he is going. It's this message of, Jesus sums it up himself, he comes proclaiming a message of repentance. And that thing we told the kids, repentance simply means turn. Turn away from this and turn to this. But, but again, sometimes we hear or what we tell ourselves is that repentance is turning from what's bad about me in my life to turning to things in my life that I can be proud of, to the, to the good stuff of me, and that is not repentance. What does, that have, what does turning from doing bad to doing good, what does that have to do with Jesus? No, nothing, because you can do that stuff without Jesus, You don't need Jesus to do that. That's not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel, that message where Jesus says, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That repent means to turn from what is bad about you. It's to turn from your shame, to turn from all your guilt, and it's to turn from that stuff you think is so good about you. It's to turn from your pride, it's to turn from your self sufficiency. It's to turn from all of that to turn to Jesus who saves you from you. Mark is going to tell us who this Jesus is this fall. And you need to know this with this initiation story of Jesus. This Jesus is for you. He is for you. And this one is perfect. He wants you and he wants you to want him. The call of this passage is to repent because of what Jesus has done, to turn from what's killing you to turn to himself who will give you life. Yeah, I, I saved this, this was not in our, our scripture reading, but when Jesus starts to call his disciples, he calls Peter, he calls Andrew, and then right after that, it says that he calls James and John, and it says this, immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and followed him. I mean, that's wild that Jesus calls them and they leave their father to be with Jesus, but what what Mark has already just told us before that with this baptism, is that Jesus has left his Father in heaven to come to them. I mean, this this stuff of, Justin said it earlier about, you know, where's the incarnation in the Gospel of Mark? It It's there. It's there in that stuff of, he has left heaven to come to earth for you. This initia- initiation story is preparing you for the links Jesus will go to to come for you. On the cross, uh, Jesus said quite a bit. We, we hear about quite a bit of it from the other gospel accounts, but in Mark's gospel, this is a spoiler, right? We're going to the end. In Mark's gospel, Mark intentionally highlights just one thing that Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which means here we are being prepared for it right at the beginning, right, right as we're being initiated into it. Jesus doesn't just leave heaven for earth. Mark, at the end of his gospel, tells us Jesus left his Father in heaven to descend into hell on a cross for you. There was a, uh, I heard about this from Brian Habig, pastor in South Carolina, a wonderful pastor. He, he says that there is this 18th century pastor named George Whitfield. Uh, and uh, and it's known that he he was buddies with Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin was not a Christian, uh, uh, but Franklin loved to listen to Whitfield, and he, he didn't believe what he was saying. But he said, "But he believes what he's saying." So he loved to listen to him. Uh, and the guy, this guy George Whitfield, he could preach to. He could preach to anybody, and he did. He preached to everybody. I mean, he went to so many different kinds of people that he got kicked out of one church um, because they thought he was only supposed to go to one kind of people. But, I mean, he used to preach to coal miners. I mean, like 18th century coal miners, Roger Harrison's kind of people. And you'd see you'd see the black coal dust on their face, uh, but then you would see these streaks running through the coal, Uh, on the coal dust on their face as these men are weeping, crying as they hear the gospel, uh, as Woodfield preaches it to them. Uh, And there's this one quote, this one quote from one of his sermons. He ends with this. He he says, okay, in light of what, you know, in light of what we just said, what are you supposed to do? Like, what's the takeaway? What what are you going to go home with? And he says this, preaches the gospel, and he says, come then ye harlots, come ye publicans, which is a translation for like, Come, you sexually immoral. Come, you politicians. You crooked politicians. Come, you slaves to sin. Though the whole world despise you and cast you out, Jesus will not. He will not disdain to take you up. And it's this thing, y'all. For you, like, Are you selfish? Yes. Uh, are, you, are you angry? Yes. Are you afraid? Amen. Uh, are, are you an addict? Like, uh, okay, just come to Jesus. Let God's goodness lead you to repentance. He is for you. Let's pray. Father, we uh, we praise you for this gospel. Uh, we, we praise you. We pray that there would be praise in our hearts as we hear as we hear the gospel of Jesus of, of his teaching his miracles his, his his calling people to himself all kinds of people the worst kinds of people the best kinds of people as he calls all of them and calls out their need of him lord i pray that you would that you would um, give us that awe that you would give us that wonder as we hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, of who he is and what he has done, Lord, that that would draw us closer to you, uh, that we would believe and that we would repent, that our drawing closer to you would be to turn from that which is killing us, all our badness, all our goodness, to turn to Jesus who saves. We pray that you would give us uh, a heart for repentance today and tomorrow and the next day. We pray this uh, in Jesus' name. Amen.